Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Healthy Business Podcast. I have Mike Muffaletto here with me. Mike, go ahead and tell us what you do, why you do it, and uh, just anything else you'd like to provide with it. Hey, Jane, thanks. Yeah. So, again, like you said, my name is Mike Muffaletto. I'm a financial advisor, a CFP, certified financial planner, professional. Um, so, <clears throat> I'm with a firm called Clark & Company Wealth Management. I'm the vice president here. Uh, and I'm in the process of launching a more millennial focused or millennial Gen Z younger emerging affluent type focused uh, financial planning practice called Renegade Wealth, which isn't live yet, but I'm hoping in the next few months we can have it up and running. So uh, that's a real high level view. And, well, I, I think that's a really, really good thing to do for millennials specifically because so like I run a remote fitness and nutrition company and there has been a a noticeable switch to paying more attention to your health for a lot of people in the millennial like the gen z generations which is great but i almost feel like it was the opposite for financial uh like financial health and intelligence because now i feel like people are living their life on instagram buying cars they can't afford houses trips like yeah i i see all the time like all these people i know go to europe like all the time and i'm like i i am pretty sure that that is an expensive trip like i don't know how you're doing this <laughs> yeah you know so the younger generations especially millennials really see it because we're finally at a place where the majority of uh wealth is starting to transfer to millennials as you know they move up further in, in, in the job market and then also as their parents begin to leave things to them we're, we're kind of coming into that age and i'm at the very tail end of millennial i'm a like probably a year or two away from Gen Z. So Gen Z's starting to get there too, which makes me feel old. But <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's a, there's definitely a huge mind shift that's happened with money. Uh, I think some, some ways for the better actually, but then some ways for the worse. And, and you hear a lot of the stereotypes like uh, stop with your avocado toast or whatever, um, pay rent. Yeah. Uh, but you, I think the mind shift has changed in that a there is a lot more instant gratification there. So, so some of the things that the older generation say is true. I mean, a lot of us aren't willing to wait, and I even have this problem. I'm not willing to wait 30 years to start enjoying life. Yeah, um, but I'm trying to build a foundation for my life right now, but also trying to milk what I can out of it because you don't know what tomorrow has to offer. Things could change, and whether it's in our own health, our own, you know, we could die. Yeah. Or the world could change in a way that's either better or worse. We don't know. On the flip side, I think one of the more negative sides of this is because so much has become very accessible uh, and very easy to do for yourself, a lot of us try to do things before we really understand what it is. So the advent of commission-free trading, so a lot of these brokerage apps, I'm not going to name any companies, just mm -hmm. but... It's made it, and some of these are very gamified, but they don't even have truly the information that a, an educated investor would need on those apps, but it makes it really easy to buy and sell stocks or whatever else for free, ETFs, mutual funds. And so people feel like they're great investors without really knowing what it is. So people make a lot of interesting financial decisions because we were given access to something that we don't fully understand. And I'm really all about making things more accessible to people. I think it's really important, especially when we have the technology to do it. Why should other we be beholden to other people and big companies and why should they have all the power? 
but at the same time, there's there's an education gap. And so that's one of the things I hope to address with Renegade. Renegade is going to be very different. Um, I'm not sure how much you or your listeners might know about how the usual relationship with a financial advisor goes, but there's usually only a few ways to work with them. And that's changing a bit in the modern era. But the two most common ways are the most popular one right now is if you have a bunch of money saved up already, and a lot of people have starting points at $100,000, $300,000, then you can you know, invest your money with that advisor. They'll charge a percentage fee, which is averages around 1% of that portfolio that they're managing. And then they, you know, hopefully if they're a good advisor, they're all giving financial advice on things outside of just your, the money that they're managing for you. Like they'll help you make good decisions. Problem for a lot of these younger generations, the emerging affluent, they're just getting into these good jobs. They're just getting into saving, they want to start building foundations. They don't have a few hundred grand laying around that they can invest. So they don't get to work with those people. Yep. The next step, I mean, the other option is you find somebody who is more product based. And I don't necessarily mean that in a negative light. There's some really good advisors out there that work on commission basis, but it's A, it can be very expensive. And B, there's always the concern. And I've noticed this for myself and a lot of my generation where you don't know, or there's always the thought in the back of your head, are, are these people selling me something because it's really what I need? Or is it something that's just lining their pockets? And no matter how many regulations you have out there, people are always going to be concerned about some kind of conflict of interest. So... Um, what we're what I'm hoping to do with Renegade and what I'm going to be doing is going to be subscription based where there's you don't need to have any assets. You don't need to buy any products. It's all going to be a very transparent. You're going to pay me this much per month or per year, or however we agree with it or pay Renegade. Hopefully it's not just going to be me in the, over the few years. But yeah. then, you know, the, my advice is just advice. And if you need help implementing something, I'm here to help you. But you can take all the advice I give you and bring it to your cousin who does investing or, or, or your friend over here. It doesn't matter. Um, you're just getting advice. And that way, we're not focusing on what I have for you. It's, hey, do you have student loans? What's the most efficient way to handle that? Do you need to get a, your first house? How do we save for that? How do we pick a good property? You know, all these things that traditional investment management doesn't answer are way more important to young people than, you know, managing a portfolio. Man, uh, that's awesome. So, I, 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 no, I think that's a brilliant idea. Honestly, I think I could see that taking off huge because I know I like me and my wife, like we're young, like we're 25 years old. And so we're looking at, you know, buying our first home here in the next few years. And, and that's a confusing process. Like when you're first getting into it, you know, sure. uh, I, I even remember this is a little bit, off of that but like, i even remember when i turned 18 uh i used to work out with this guy who was in his 60s and he really freaked me out you know he like he looked at me because like, i just turned 18 and he was like hey he's like now that you're 18 you need to go like start a roth you need to start a roth ira if you're like because i am 60 whatever years, years old he was then uh and he's like and i will never retire he's like i will work till i physically cannot work anymore so you need to go start it today and of course, like as an 18 year old, I didn't know where to go, how to start it. If it even mattered, like if I go to some, like any of the, again, I won't name companies, but like if I go to this company or this company or this app or this auto, or do I go to like Wells Fargo? Do I go, do I go to like a bank? You know, like, 
And it took me a long, I actually lost a few years of even like, it would have been small amounts of money, but small amounts of investing into my Roth account, just simply with the knowledge gap of like, no one taught me where to go, what to look for, or anything having to do with finances long-term. Right. Exactly. And I think that's the biggest thing our generation faces is a lot of us want to do it on our own. We just want to be told what the right thing to do is. And we don't want to be, you know, skimming off the top of whatever we have, the little bit that we can afford to put aside right now, just to, you know, make sure someone else is willing to talk to us. So a lot of people just get paralyzed and they're, you know, you don't know what to do next and you don't know who to trust or how to do it. So I'm hoping to bring a bit of a solution to that. Um, and you mentioned like the trips to Europe and stuff like that. That's another thing that's really important. And this is kind of why I call it renegade wealth. <clears throat> the idea is there's been a standard way of thinking for a long time when it comes to finance. And a lot of people aren't buying into it anymore. We have a different way, you know. So the whole idea of renegade is it's not like I'm going to be a renegade with your money and, and, and tell you to do crazy things, but it's like we're breaking the mold. We're trying to, we're going outside the conventional advisor relationship, but also like, I really want to work with people who don't like being told this is what you need to do and how you need to do things and are looking to kind of grab life by the horns and, and see what to do. So you mentioned the travel. I went to... Tanzania this past December and climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. And that's something, it's not a cheap trip. And it's something where, you know, it's not like I just have money growing on trees yet either. Yeah. It, it, it's, but it's something that's important to me where I had to plan effectively to make it happen. But it's something that needs to happen in my life when I'm young, because I'm not going to wait till I'm 60 years old and say, no, I'm going to start traveling because I saved a bunch of money my whole life. And I think that's the the biggest hold up for a lot of young people is they're not willing to wait 30 years to be able to start getting some kind of gratification. No, I, so I how do we for 30 years without, you know, completely hamstring ourselves and just living to save? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Cause I, you know, you live with that dichotomy of like, okay, you know, is it, suffer for 30 to 40 years and then just live a really great last 20 to 30 years? Or do you make life worth living kind of that whole time and still try to like have enough, like you said, kind of skimming off the top to put away. And it's, it's really hard to know. It's hard to know what the right answer is, the effective answer is. It's hard to know if you're even making the right call when you're doing it. And so I feel like that honestly is, is something that even plagues our, like our generation in the sense of, uh, of like their mental health too. That's a huge thing right now is people's mental health. And a lot of it goes back to their financial status of thinking like, well, I'll just never retire. I'll never be able to own a home. I'll never be able to live the life I want to live and have like a normal job. Unless I develop some app that blows up and I can sell it for a hundred million dollars. I guess I'll just <laughs> never be able to do the things I want to do. Right. You know, it's a scary thing, but I think, one of the biggest issues that our generation and the following generations face and are going to continue to face is in a lot of the ways we're very pessimistic and we don't realize what's available to us and what can be accomplished. I, I, I think the culture is very saturated with you can't do this. This is for people who are more fortunate than you. Mm -hmm. um, 
whether it comes to finding a job or or being able to save enough to do this or being able to own a house the house thing's a, a very actually interesting conversation there's a whole lot of reasons that or factors that contributed to the way the housing market is and why it's so over the top right now buying a house is scary for a lot of people because we all see the numbers it's inflating way faster than income is and you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. And part of the process that, you know, I hope to help address and I, I think more people should be helping address is explaining why this is happening instead of just being like, oh, well, that's what people are willing to pay. So just deal with it. Like we need to have a better understanding of the different components that are affecting our financial lives and why has home ownership changed so much? And there's a lot. We can get into that if you want. But, um, you know, I, the broader thing is, when you're working with someone, especially for these younger generations, they want to understand what they're getting into. They don't want to just say, here, take my money, tell me what to do with it, and I'll trust you. No, yeah. they want to understand, we want to understand what we're being told to do and why it's beneficial and why maybe some of these doors are not open for us like they were for our parents. And how do we adapt to that and what new doors might be open because these ones are closing? Oh, yeah. Well, so, I, that's what, those are some of my favorite reels on Instagram are like the ones where... Uh you know, grandparents are yelling at you to work harder and like, Oh, you know, like by your age, I, I owned a home, I had a car, I had three kids. And you're like, yeah, you bought your home for like $50,000. You know, it's like on two acres, it's worth 3.2 million now, you know, like, yeah. and uh, it's just a different time. They're like, I think the, the one I saw was like $20,000 and like a bushel of grapes or something is what you were. <laughs> And so, but I mean, but it's true, you know, like my parents purchased their home for far less in the nineties than, or late eighties, early nineties, than what, you know, it's worth now. And now, but I still have to pay what it's worth now if I wanted to buy it from them. So it's a, uh, it's a, it's a scary time for, especially like you said, the, the inflation is rising so much faster than, than income is. And, and I don't foresee that changing. And so and I kind of, again, going back to that whole like mental health side of society. Now I see that as a huge potential issue long-term for people. Yeah, I think so. But I think there's also, it, it, it's hard to really dig into it because it's such a personal thing at the end of the day for people. And, and I have to be careful about what I say as far as that could be construed as recommendations or anything on this totally kind of yeah. channel. But with the way the real estate market is changing, it does open certain doors for opportunity. And you can see the way the market kind of is right now. There's a few factors. A, there's more people with the same amount of land. Mm -hmm. So real estate is becoming more and more valuable because you're gonna have this, a growing number of people consistently fighting over the same size pie. So that's never going to change. Um, the advent of a lot of institutional money that's starting to invest in single family homes now. That's why you see a lot of hate towards these big investment companies. You can see where it's actually kind of complicated how they do it, but they wind up causing huge inflation in a lot of areas that you wouldn't expect to really be growing. Like you think like in the middle of Iowa, where you wouldn't expect people to be looking for money, but they find these homes, they buy them and they create, they buy everything on the block except one or two houses and it creates a huge spike in price because they're willing to pay top dollar in cash for it. So everyone else has to fight for it. 
there's a lot of problems that can come from that, but it also creates the opportunity. The thing about these funds is a lot of them, they're accessible to us. So whatever they're profiting on it, we can participate in that. Okay. It's a different kind of investing. Like you don't get to own the property, which there's a lot more value than just the return on your money. Mm -hmm. So I understand why people still feel that's unfair. But again, it's one of those questions of, okay, well, these doors are closing or getting harder to get through. So where do we find new opportunity? And it's not always desirable, but sometimes we got to do what we got to do in order to open the doors for the other things we want in life. Yeah, but so. I feel like I feel like everything's like that. Like, uh, I, yeah. I feel like now, uh, like in in my in fitness, for instance, like totally on the other side of real estate, not at all the same. But in in fitness, you got to look for the new opportunities in the sense that personal training was one of those things that like most personal trainers didn't make a lot of money, except for like the celebrity trainers, or kind of like like I did and I'm doing. Like, if you go out on your own and you could charge your own prices and just pay rent to a gym. Uh, but now the new front of fitness is like this online side. So like there's so much more money to be made in the online side because you can work with 30, 40, 50 clients as opposed to only being able to see, you know, four to five clients a day and, and you're beat to shit at the end of the day because you've been working on your feet for six, seven, eight hours just to be able to make like a decent living because you got to give the gym so much of a cut. Uh, like I was working at a place that took 40% and like it was a huge amount of money and I couldn't work enough to make like a really good living and also lose 40% of it every single time I sold a new personal training client. So if you look for those new avenues and those new frontiers, it's hard and it sucks and it's really hard to get it going. But once you build it up, it is, it's always worth the, the new frontier, I, I, in my opinion. Yep. No, I, I totally agree. So this is actually a conversation I had with my younger brother. My brother's a business owner as well. And one of the things he's always wanted to do when he's starting to do so is get involved in real estate and, and investing in real estate. And he was complaining to me the other day about how, this is a while back actually, but complaining that, you know, 50 years ago, it was so much easier to get into this because prices were different. And, you know, the average person just can't do that these days. And not to, I mean, this is a separate conversation from homeownership, but, mm-hmm. and, and it kind of sparked the conversation. It's like, okay, sure. But 50 years ago, nobody could just take videos of themselves, put it on the internet and become a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, totally. Like we, we see these things in retrospect and we think, oh, darn, it would have been so easy to just buy up a bunch of land in North Dakota 20 years ago if I had only known or if I had only yeah. had the capital back then. But back then, nobody knew that was the right move. The people who did it either were really smart and seeing ahead or more likely when it comes to frontier type anything, people get lucky because there's a million people on that frontier shooting in different directions. And the ones who wind up winning are the ones who look like geniuses. Yeah. But no, no, I, they yeah, very well I, could have been one of the people who died on the frontier. <laughs> I, 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 I listen to a lot of books and I, I try to listen to a lot of like the higher, like CEOs and stuff like Bob Iger's book. Um, mm-hmm. A few, oh shoot. Um, uh, I, there's a, there's a new kind of guy, entrepreneur, his name's Alex Mosey. I listened to his book the other day and uh, that's a huge part that they both talk about. It goes, uh, anyone that doesn't credit luck, at least some to their success. Phil Knight said it too in his book for uh, founder of Nike. Said luck, luck counts. It counts for quite a bit, you know. And uh, I mean, Mike, I feel like I could talk to you for like another hour, man. But we're 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 at that time, so I just want to give you 
this last few minutes here to kind of you know promote whatever you want to whatever you want to say and just kind of end it for us yeah so one thing i should say just as far as a compliance thing uh the way our business works is or, or this industry for the most part works and unless you get into the space which is called the ria space i'm not going to dig into the details but even as independent advisors in this space we you generally need to affiliate or contract with a broker dealer mm -hmm. and you become a registered representative of that and so one of my obligations when i do things like this is i just have to make it clear i am a registered representative of lincoln financial securities uh, i didn't say that at the beginning so i just want to make sure i got that in there um, the and, and really we don't, we don't work for Lincoln Financial Securities, but all of our securities-related business runs through them. They they handle our compliance and stuff, and and the actual transactional side or of the business, and they do great work. So um, we all have those. <laughs> but besides that, yeah. Uh, as far as promotions go, uh, Renegade Wealth is on its way. I think for especially the crowd listening to this, it's probably might be worth checking out. And one of the things I hope to do with that is it's going to be very online, very social media marketed. So I'm going to try and give away as much free information as I can in the process through reels and stuff like that. Uh, not direct advice, but usable information. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those who actually like what I'm putting out there and want to learn more, I'm going to have plenty of ways to contact me. And, you know, maybe there's a chance to build a relationship. But besides that, Clark and Company Wealth Management, we've been around for quite a while now, and we do the more established wealth management, financial planning, and we're good at it. So I'll leave it there. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but yeah. Well, Mike, thank you so much. Uh, we'll, we'll hang out and talk for just a minute after this, but thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you next time. Sounds good.